Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, like it, comment, subscribe, uh, share it with your friends, do all that stuff. And today's episode is very different because today, so I put out, this is actually an idea that I got from Arian Foster, who does the Now What podcast. Mm. And, you know, he put out a message. He wanted to chop it up with a fan. And so I thought, uh, what a cool thing to do. And especially because so many of my guests on this show are in entertainment, I wanted someone in a completely different field uh, to show that failure stories are kind of universal. So my guest today is Matt Smith. Um, I believe you reached out via YouTube originally? Uh, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. So via Facebook. Um, Matt is a first-class petty officer in the Navy um, and uh, apparently a Yankee fan, which I did oh, yeah. not know before I invited you on this podcast. <laughs> I thought it would be a nice little surprise. Yeah, what a fun what a fun thing to come into my house. I actually washed and my hat last night just so it looked nice and pretty for you. I don't think you. I've ever washed a hat. I had to make sure it looked pretty for you, Steve. You wash a hat? Do you do – you know what? I think when I was a kid they had those like – like those racks you're supposed to put them in like the I was actually really nervous about that I was talking to my wife I said I want to wash it I just really hope it keeps its form yeah because you so. could totally you could totally ruin a hat oh, that yeah, way definitely so yeah that's why I just have crusty old hats or new <laughs> ones I don't wash the hats I guess now I feel bad for not washing my hats anyway <laughs> uh yeah last episode uh, we had Michael Price on who was a fellow Mets fan and so now uh, we have the opposing argument, but it's not a sports podcast anyway. It's just clearly, <laughs> clearly Matt decided to needle me a little bit. But uh, I, I don't know much about how ranks in the military work. I've done a bunch of stuff for the USO, um, all local. I've never done the abroad stuff. I'm way too much of a chicken <laughs> to do that. Um, but I've done a bunch of stuff, you know, at bases around the country um, and some USO stuff in LA, and so. Let's assume most of our listeners have as little knowledge of this as I do, or even less. Okay. Um, so tell, what does first class petty officer mean? Uh, so first class petty officer, um, there's two sides to the military structure realistically. There's the officer side and the enlisted side. And the officer side is kind of what you would think of as managers. Um, they're making decisions. They have to know what's going on and how to move forward as a collective team. Okay. The enlisted side, we're the ones that are operating gear, uh, repairing gear, things like that. We're taking care of the daily worker tasks. So we may have a satellite communication system. That's one of the things that I work on. Yeah. And so you're on the IT side of things. Um, a little bit. That's more networking with computers and okay. things like that. We deal uh, – I'm an electronics technician, so it deals more with the actual – Nuts and bolts, hardwire connections and things like that. So you fix the shit that helps us kill people or not get killed. Exactly, yeah. That's okay. essentially what we do. Now, the officers, they have to know how that stuff works uh, in principle and theory and stuff like that so that they know limitations of different stuff. But as far as they know, it's magic that happens that makes it work. And are you – you do you have, have to do this in the field? Uh, I'm on a ship. Okay. So – a big blue field, I guess. So, all right, yeah, a, a very <laughs> wet field. Yes. Uh, so, but you have to do this, like, is this something where, you, will you ever see combat? Uh, potentially. Um, here back in uh, 2014, uh, the Navy, I get to talk about it because they actually released everything, but yeah. um, my ship was the USS Philippine Sea, and in 2014, we fired off Tomahawk missiles uh, into Syria. Wow. So that was from my ship uh, and another supporting ship. So so how far off the coast were you? Very far. Yeah. <laughs> Those missiles travel a great They, they travel. Yeah. Be like, yeah, it was in Baltimore. It was weird. <laughs> um, so 
because I, I actually was talking about this. I, I was I was on another podcast. I was on a PKA, and we were talking about the idea of old timey military, yeah. and how shitty it must have been to be the guy who was like just playing an instrument and had no weapons, <laughs> and he just had to be there also and hope that people didn't kill him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a reason I stay on the ship and I let those guys go over the sandbox and actually do that sort of on the ground stuff. I'm just like, yeah, I'll I'll stay on the boat. Now, in terms of military career, because I, I think it's a pretty common misconception that the idea is that most officers are just people who are serving that got promoted. And I have learned since then that, that is not true because I've done shows at West Point. Mm hmm. Um, and I've done, I forget, there was one other, there was one other school that I did where people were being trained to be officers mm -hmm. and yeah. not ever actually, you know, you don't work up the ranks, you work up the ranks of being an officer, Yes, but it's a different skill set. Completely. Yeah. Like I said, it's kind of, uh, more that manager aspect. It's like a company hiring a manager and just saying, Hey, we're making you a manager and we're just going to train you as a manager. So right, what, you don't have to fry cook to be a manager. Correct. Yeah. So what they do is they say, "Hey, we're going to send you to school. We're going to teach you about, you know, different things like mil military strategy or uh, other various fields, you know, engineering stuff like that, and we're going to put you in charge of all the people that are going to work on the equipment. You got to know how that stuff works, but you're going to be a leader. It's, yeah. They're trained from day one. That's what they do. How did you start? Um, I on the enlisted side. Um, <laughs> I was three years out of high school. Uh, my little brother uh, is three years younger than me. He was a senior in high school, and he decided he wanted to join the Navy. And he kept bugging me because I was, uh, you know, brilliant when I left high school and moved right out of my mom's house because I knew everything. So, yeah. you know, I tried to do the college thing <laughs> and work. And so, since for a moment, I was like, is that bragging? And then I was like, no, no, sarcasm. Got sarcasm. It. sarcasm. Great sarcasm. Um, but I was doing, you know, the mundane jobs, working at fast food restaurants, I think I had 11 different jobs yeah. before, between the time I was like 16 and 21 when I joined. And your brother was like, I don't want to go myself. Well, his was more like, you need to stop being a lazy piece of shit and actually like That's go tough do coming stuff. from a younger sibling. Oh, too. yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, thanks, little bro. <laughs> you like, you really pulled me out of a rut. Yeah. Um, but he was bugging me for about three months. And I was like, dude, I'm not joining the Navy. I'm not yeah. going to do it. And uh, finally... I was like, fine, if I go talk to your little recruiter, man, will you shut up about this and never bring it up? And he's like, yeah. I said, cool, let's go talk to him, but I'm not joining. He's like, that's fine. Yeah. And I sat down, and I was like, all right, Mr. Recruiter Guy, what you got for me? Why should I join the Navy? And then you realize that this guy has a golden tongue, and that is why he has that job. <laughs> Precisely. Um, no, he just kind of laid everything out for me, and I started looking at it from what the Navy could do for me and what I had going for me at the time, which was ramen noodles and Little Caesars hot and readies. Right. And was like, screw it, let's do it. So yeah. that was 10 years ago now. And especially, you know, if you're in a position where, because most people see the military and they go, well, I don't want, I don't want to risk my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see that even with the, you know, the USO tour stuff. Mm -hmm. I do, I do the base shows. For two reasons. One, because, uh, you know, completely different, because I realized early on that the people you have to entertain aren't just the troops. It's the troops' families. Mm -hmm. It's the people who haven't heard from their husband or wife or father or mother or whatever it is in, yeah. you know, in two weeks and just hoping that they're alive. And you need to give them an hour of not thinking about that. That's true, yeah. And so that's one reason. The other reason is that I am a coward. 
And I don't want, I don't feel like it's worth it to go into a war zone to get a couple of laughs here and there where I'm like, can I just send him a DVD? <laughs> Is that okay? All my stuff's online. Um, and so a lot, I think, I think it's a common misconception that a career in the military will lead you to a combat zone. And there are so many jobs that are in the military that aren't there. I mean, just the people who hire me are, yeah. you know, uh, MRW, which is, I think, rec Military Recreation and Welfare. MWR. Yeah. W welfare and Recreation. Yeah. Right. Welfare, more important. Recreation, <laughs> not as important. That comes at the end. Yeah. And Welfare, not the, you know, getting money. I mean, like, someone's yeah. happiness. That's what the word means. Um, like, those people aren't out there seeing combat. They're... No. Yeah, they're making sure people are mentally healthy and doing okay. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those rotating situations, too, where, um, you know, my first four years in the Navy, well, first about year I was actually going through schools learning about electronics and things like that because it was stuff I never worked with, you know, satellite yeah. communications, navigational radar. I don't know what the hell so any of that does. So you hadn't – did you have an interest in that at all? Um, I liked installing car speakers and, like, head <laughs> units in my – you know, and I was always taking stuff apart from when I was a little kid. Okay, um, so you had some interest in it. I had interest I'm, in I'm that. I'm just laughing at the idea of, like, the person who's in charge of the communications that keep our military safe uh -huh. and thus keep us safe is like, yeah, so I guess I joined first and then I had to figure it out. Oh, honestly, that's really what it is. They send you to school for an entire year uh, for my job like yeah. i was in uh chicago illinois for about a year um and what happens if learning. you're not good at it do they send you to a different they'll they'll roll you back in or? training for a little while and if you're still not catching on to it they'll be like all right cool well go try this then yeah like then they're just like well i guess can you cook <laughs> like, yeah, give I mean, something else? there's there's times where they'll just send you to go be a culinary specialist or to work in the deck department, which are the guys that maintain the ships, like chipping and painting of the sides of the ship, yeah. which it all sounds like mundane stuff. You're like, oh, man, that must be a punishment. But when you think about the nature of steel in salt water for months on end, yeah. it's a pretty integral part because ships rust. Yeah, can't have rust. So yeah, you have you, know. you have to. There are all kinds of elements that have to keep this thing alive. Yeah, this is not the military is not just you know a bunch of people with guns and one person yelling at them. Yeah, exactly. That's not what it is, and no. that is I think so much of of movies and TV and what we see. <laughs> that's all we see. You yeah, know? and sometimes we'll see the guy in the control room being like, you know, officer, I have a location on you know, but you don't <laughs> you don't see. It is is it less glamorous? I can is... tell you, it is much more boring. Yeah. At, than it is super exciting. You know, um, on my last appointment, I brought an electric guitar and my amp, and a buddy of mine brought his bass guitar and amp, and a buddy yeah. brought a uh, electronic drum kit. And when we had time off, we would just go to one of the spaces and jam. How much know? time do you have off? Uh, that all depends on your job. Um, your chief, which is a pay grade above me, so that'd be like my boss. He kind of runs the whole little division below him. Yeah. Uh, so it all depends on that, right? Sometimes you're working an eight-hour day plus standing five hours of watches that kind of rotate back. So you'll go from seven to noon. The next watch is two to seven. The next watch is ten to two. What's a watch? You're basically on call to fix anything that breaks. Okay. So like you and I could be sitting here just bullshitting in a space, and we get a call and. I say, hey. So during a watch, though, during a watch, can you – do you have to be alert or do you yes. have – like – Yeah. But you could, like, play around on your phone or you can 
So realistically, what you're supposed to be doing during watches is working, right? So you're going to be doing maintenance on equipment. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be educating yourself further because learning never stops. Right. So, so that's kind of what you're working on. Or reading owner's manuals. Yeah, that type of stuff. <laughs> um, then in your off time, that's when you're like, okay, go play your guitar, go play your Xbox. You know, uh, one time we had a Nerf gun war. <laughs> it was a lot of yeah. fun. But stuff like that. I mean, but when you're like on watch, you're on watch. Like that's what you're taking care of is work stuff. This is a very silly comparison. Yeah. I know this ahead of time. But like I remember when I worked at a summer camp and the first year I went up, and I just went up with like clothes and I didn't realize like, oh, you could you could bring stuff <laughs> and it's way better if you bring stuff. Yeah. And so like the second year I went up, I was like, yeah, there's there's a TV. I'm going to bring I think it was like a Super Nintendo. Yeah. We had like an old school Super Nintendo and and, you know, brought a bunch of games and just stuff like that. And I feel like the first time you go in, you probably are just thinking duffel bag. Yeah, that's you take your sea bag, which is what it's the uh, if you've ever seen those big huge green bags yeah. that, that you stuff that with all your uniform stuff, oh God, that's some actually... civilian clothes because you're going to be going out into foreign ports and you don't want to, you know, you can't just go out in uniform all the time. You go out in your civilian clothes. Yeah. So you just grab your sea bag, maybe a couple extra things, some books, you know, but then you go and then second deployment rolls around and we're like, "Oh, yeah, I can I'm bringing like Two terabyte hard drives for, to store movies and music and everything. I'm bringing my laptop, my Xbox, my guitar. I'm just storing everything I can yeah, on what, there. What can I bring? I actually, the reason I laughed is because that's the green bag that I took to camp. <laughs> I had it was from like a like a family friend or cousin or something. Um, now, now that I have a better understanding of the of the basis of how your job works, yeah, I want to talk about failure on your way to where you are now because okay. you don't start as first class petty officer no. no that seems like a higher thing yeah yeah so and how old are you i'm 31 so you're 31 and you started when you were 23 21 21 yep. okay been doing so 10. right sorry so 21 so you've been doing this 10 years now yep um i want to hear about how that worked and how it didn't work but we're going to throw it a break for a second and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it sounds good Welcome back to Failing Forward, joined here by Matt Smith, first class petty officer in the Navy, and we're learning about how a career in the military works. There, there are a lot of people who join and leave. You yep. know, that's their, and I don't mean like they go AWOL. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they serve. Yeah, they'll do their stint. They'll get out after four, five, six years. Yeah. And then, you know, and then they go back and start a different career. Yep. And it's, you know, it's a way to make some money. It's a way to pay for college. It's a way to do a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, it's a way to have adventure for some people. Oh, yeah. That's um, definitely one of the big draws for me. Yeah. And so, and I'm curious. I want to talk about the failure thing. But before yeah. we do, what are some of the places you've gone? So, um, I have been to Norway. I went to Germany twice. I went to Spain twice. I went to Greece. I went to Turkey twice. Uh, Georgia, country, not the state. Yeah. Uh, the Ukraine, Bulgaria. I've been down to the Seychelles. I've been to Bahrain, I think, seven times, and Dubai four times. So. Yeah, uh, most people haven't been to Bahrain or Dubai <laughs> seven or four times. And it's it's also one of the things I, I do want to get to. I want to talk about the failure thing. Um, but at some point, I, I also want to talk about, because you joined because of this recruiter, and it made mm -hmm. sense for you, mm -hmm. 
I have a very love-hate relationship with how the military is marketed. Okay. Because very often it is – you know, you talk about how your job isn't glamorous. And, you, you know, you talk about how, like, this is something where it's nuts and bolts and this is needed. Yeah. But so often, you know, we see the military will pay for – at football games to mm-hmm. just be like – and, you know, in other sports too – to just be like – here, let's honor this veteran and yeah. and the veteran of the game thing. That's a paid sponsorship, and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, this is not just – the Cubs didn't just decide to applaud this guy because he's a sailor. Like, this is a thing they were paid to do. Yeah. And for a high school kid who is, you know, needs some direction in their life, um, oftentimes that can be taken advantage of. By, you know, a smooth-talking recruiter or or a television campaign or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, for something like you, you had family saying, like, hey, get your shit together. Yeah. But I, I have – and I do understand this is something that we need and it's important to have a strong military as a country. And I'm not anti-military, but yeah. I am anti-manipulating people. Yeah, completely. Do you find – that at all or am so, i making too big of a deal of this i'm gonna throw another one in addition to being a yankees fan okay one other thing you might not know about me all right uh i was formerly before i got out here to san diego recruiter of the year back in omaha nebraska okay so i i actually was a navy recruiter as well and so i mean as far as the marketing side of the house I, that's stuff that's way above my pay grade however yeah. they decide to do that stuff from a recruiter's standpoint, when we sit down and we talk with these kids, we're not necessarily we're not trying to like exploit different weaknesses amongst them or just trying to trick them into getting it right. So yeah, I love going out. You and aren't well, and I can speak for the majority of the people that I worked with. Now, yeah. granted, I don't know every single recruiter from Ab- absolutely Maine to San Diego, but um, you know the big thing about what we want to try to do is take people like where I was ten years ago. Yeah. And say, hey, man, this is what you got going, right? This is what comes with being in the Navy. And it may not be what the movies glorify it to be all the time. Right. But I can still say it's still a sense of pride for me because there's not a lot of people that can do what we do. Yeah. There's not – most of the population doesn't even qualify to serve. And of that small percentage that does qualify to serve, very few are willing to because it's hard. You it's because they have bone spurs, right? Yeah, I think they got bone spurs. Right, um, most people have bone spurs. Yeah. It's big. It's big ec- epidemic. I won't, I won't make you make fun of your boss. Um, but. I, so, um, yeah, you're not, there was that, uh, there was that commercial, I think it might have been for the army where the guy was like fighting like a lava monster. That was this. This was twenty years ago, but I still. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. My yeah. friends and I, we were in college, and we. I think we nicknamed one of our buddies Lava Monster because Lava of Monster. it. Yeah, <laughs> it was just a very ridiculous thing. That was an over the top thing, and so if you are going into it, and you seem like a very even keeled person, and so if you're going into it with a, like, th- there just needs to be a respect for, if if it might not be the right fit for someone. For the recruiter to go, hey, this isn't for everybody. Yeah, and we have had instances where we turned people away. Yeah. Because it was kind of one of those like, okay, man, you're not really understanding what it's about. You know, we get kids coming in and they're like, yeah, I want to try out to be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And we're like, okay, why? And he goes, I don't know. I just think I think it'd be really cool. And we're like, 
okay, that's already the wrong attitude. Like the people that make it through that are the ones that come in and say, I'm here to be a Navy SEAL. And you go, okay, what happens if you don't pass the readiness test? No, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like it's the guys that are so dedicated to that that they're willing to, you know, drown in a pool before somebody says you can't be a SEAL. Right. And so they come in with that wrong mindset and we go, sorry, bud, like that's not the attitude you have to have. You can't have any maybes, ifs, tries yeah. when you're going for something like that. And not to get into the controversy of what happened afterward, but like, cause you look at, you look at like the Bo Bergdahl story and he never should have been in the military. Like he had, there were obvious red flags and so, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, mm. there, there, are, there are people who ignore that stuff because we do need numbers. And so I'm all for what you're saying. And, mm. and the, the ability to look at someone and go, hey, man, you're – no. <laughs> like, if someone's coming in and being like, I saw a movie and I want glory, and it's like, <laughs> well, that's not, that's not what happens here. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's an element of and, – and there needs to be an element of – humility right definitely uh because like i said you know there's a lot of pride that comes with it but for me where that pride is derived from is that it is something that is bigger than myself it's doing something i'm volunteering to go be away from my family for six to nine months at a time yeah you know a lot of the guys that are uh guys and girls that are on the ground overseas they're doing it for longer you know and they're leaving their family behind because it's something they feel strongly about in terms of they want to serve their country. They want to make sure that their beliefs are upheld through their country and they want to be able to fight for that right. Um, for everybody back here to yeah. sit down and have a podcast without having to worry about, you know, the United States of America coming down and saying, Steve Hofstetter, you're off the air. Yeah. Stuff which, like which that. Which can happen any moment. I have said some <laughs> things. So what's the longest you've been away from your family? Um, like, for my family back home, I, I try to get home once a year. When you say back home, because uh, you said you're married. I am married. My wife's uh, out here in San Diego. So, But you're saying, like, your folks, your brother. Yeah, I'll see them maybe once a year. So okay. I got my, my holidays I mean, that's the case for up. people who are, like, graphic designers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the longest I've been away from any family member is nine months. So nine months away from your wife? Yeah. Is that, I mean... How well, that you, was from my ex-wife. From your ex-wife. Okay, so that might answer my question. Um, it, that's got to be, like, when I'm in a serious relationship. Yeah. Like, I had, so I was married, and we had a rule where we didn't go, and I'm, I'm a road comic. I'm always traveling. Yeah. And we had a rule where we didn't go more than two weeks without seeing each other, whether whether I was able to get home for a day or she was able to come out and visit me on the road. You, yeah. Now, you can't do that when you're in the military. You can't just be like, hey, you want to uh, pop up to Bahrain <laughs> for the weekend? Yeah. Is that I, – I, I cannot fathom what that would have done to my psyche mm-hmm. to be like, I'll see you next year. It's really crazy because you learn – whether it's a, a pro or a con, I have yet to find out. But yeah. you learn to really compartmentalize type uh, things like that, you know, as far as, okay, you get in that brain space of it's go time. I'm yeah. leaving, and I got to take this little family box, put it on the shelf for right now, and now in my work box. And, you know, you still send, oh, be e- so tough. send emails home, you know, Facebook chat and stuff like that. You get into a foreign port, you can uh, hop on some Wi-Fi and – 
uh, Skype or something like that. But it's, yeah. it's never quite the same, you know. I'm totally a good morning and good night person. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> like that'd be, that'd be really tough. So, so we don't have a ton of time left. So yeah. I want to talk about, uh, give, me, give me a failure story because most of our failure <laughs> stories come in entertainment and it's just about how the business sucks. Yeah. So tell me something I don't know about stumbling up, up your way through the military. So my failure story is kind of one of those where when I was younger, yeah, I was I was bright, I was hardworking, everything like that. Um, at least I thought I was. Yeah. So it was consistently from the time I started working, even up through the early years of my military career, it was very much a, I know I'm capable of doing my boss's job. Why don't I get it? Yeah. And so that is such a common yeah. feeling. And it took me many, many, many years. I think I figured it out here just a few years ago, type of thing. But. Um, you know, every time, like I said, I had like 11 jobs from the time I started working until the yeah. time I joined the Navy because every time that something pissed me off at work, I'd say, screw this, I don't need it, and I'd leave. Right. You know, somebody got promoted to a shift supervisor over me. I'm like, why didn't I get it? And it was years later I looked back and go, oh, because you're a 17-year-old kid that has to be home by 11 o'clock at night. You know? Right, and also because you're someone who has the attitude of why didn't I get it? And, like, that can be – you can read that. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I ran into a lot of obstacles that were all placed there by myself. Um, and it took me a long time. Uh, you know, when I first joined the Navy, uh, we went on my first deployment about two months after I got on the ship. And I was yeah. gone for six months and I got back and I was having a good time. Um, I was 23 at the time, I believe. And um, I had too good of a time and I got in some trouble. And I assume <laughs> by how you said that you can't elaborate. Um, I mean, I don't really try to hide it from people. I ended up getting a DUI. This was at home? No, this was on the on the Navy base. On the Navy. Yeah. You had a DUI on the Navy base. Yes. Shit. Yes. And so where I was at in my first couple of years in the Navy, you know, I was thinking, okay, this is my career, blah, blah, blah. Now I get in trouble. Now everything that I had planned on is thrown into question. Yeah, I could have really, I could have been kicked out right then and there. They could have just sent me packing back home to Nebraska, and I'd be exactly where I was when my brother drug me into the recruiting office. And not only that, but a minor mistake then becomes instead of a minor mistake being an isolated incident, it's like you make you can make a minor mistake and be like, oh well, that's the same guy who had that. Yes, and everything you do thereafter is amplified. Yes, and so what saved my career was the commanding officer the guy in charge of the ship um i go to captain's mast which is what it is when you get in trouble um yeah. and he decides what your punishment's going to be and like i said he could have hammered me he could have kicked me out of the navy sent me packing with nothing and instead you know he gave me a pretty good swift slap on the wrist but um he chose to instead of making an example out of me to make me learn a lesson yeah and um the next year I was a E4 at the time and then following What is E4? Uh third class petty officer. Okay. And the following year I got promoted. And so it was it was a big moment for me because you know I was only one year removed from one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. And because I had such a great leader that said, you know, I'm not going to murder you over this. I'm going to punish you, but I want you to grow from this. Yeah. And so I decided from the time that he put that second uh, 
second class crow on my shoulder that I was like, okay, I have to rededicate myself uh, and work harder and harder and harder and prove that I deserve this spot that I've just been given. And we were actually standing up there. It was a promotion ceremony and everything like that. And so they promote multiple people all at once. You know, the test results come out and they say, hey, you made it, you made it, you made it. Yeah. And they're pinning everybody with their new ranks and everything like that. And the commanding officer gets to me and mind you, the whole crew's there. They've got family members there because they want to see their sailor get yeah. advanced. And the commanding officer gets to me and he shakes my hand, takes a step back and goes, all right, everybody. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. What is he doing? He goes, I got to this ship about a year ago and I had my first mast case. And it was this sailor right here. And I was like, what are you doing? In Shut the everybody. hell up. Oh, In front no. of everybody. Yeah. But uh, then he went on to tell a story of redemption and everything like that. But, man, I think I was about as red as your hair is when I was standing out there getting promoted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's something he he probably was extremely proud of the decision because yeah. his decision, you could have been like, oh, I did learn a lesson. I can get away with anything. Or you can learn the lesson of like you learn the lesson of forgiveness and you learn the lesson of work ethic. Yeah. And so that really could go either way depending on the person. Definitely. And depending on the personality. There are people who will be like, yeah, yeah, of course I get another shot. And then there are people like yourself who was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> That's pretty much <laughs> the response. Let's I had. not fuck up anymore. <laughs> and and I think that that is a, a much better way to handle things. And, you know, good on him for being able to identify which you were. Um, unless he was just rolling the dice. Yeah, but hopefully you know. not. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's something where he saw that in you and he was like, okay – this person just is a young kid who needs to wake up a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, um, between him and then, you know, I transferred off that ship and went to my recruiting duty. Yeah. And that was a whole nother story for a whole nother episode. But yeah, um, recruiting duty is rough. I'll say that. But I ended up uh, getting a leading petty officer, which is just your immediate supervisor. Same. Uh, he was E6. I was E5 at the time. So he was first class. I was second class. But he really motivated me in a way that it was like hey i know you've got the skill to go do what you have to do yeah. and help us be successful do it and yeah. he just really helped build me up as a person so uh, my buddy harold is one of the reasons i'm still in the navy i was actually thinking about getting out of the yeah. navy when i was on recruiting duty but then i saw you know i thought back to that commanding officer i thought back to my buddy harold and i was like okay those are the leaders that the navy needs and if I can take some of that from them and try to emulate that and push it on to sailors beneath me, hopefully we can grow it to a little bit better um, Navy through leadership That's rather than wonderful. having that hard-ass boss, you know? Yeah. Hard bosses make good followers. Good leaders make better leaders. That, you know? that, is, a, that is probably the title of this episode. <laughs> um, it, it, is, it is something where sometimes you need to make the mistake in order to learn from it. Um, you know, it's not a DUI, but it reminds me of early on when I was 17 and I was working for a sports writer and he gave me this assignment and I was working on it and, you know, it's like, all right, well, you know, I'll kind of finish it whenever. And, and I, it was on his computer somewhere and I left for the day cause my hours were over. Yeah. You punch it and you go home. Exactly. Except my job wasn't over <laughs> and I didn't tell anyone where I put the th the research I did do. Oh. I just left figuring, oh, working on it tomorrow. Yeah. But they needed it that day. Yeah. And it was, oh, did I get reamed for that? And ever <laughs> since then, 
I don't think I've missed a deadline for anything. Yeah. Every now and then there might be something that's just physically impossible to do, and I just, but I'll at least say, hey, I need more time. I'm going to finish it, and this and this and this. You manage expectations. But the lesson, I wouldn't have had that lesson of like, always do your shit if I didn't screw up once. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. If you go through, you know, and, uh, I was gonna. I was thinking about you know what we were gonna talk about beforehand. And I was thinking yeah. about coming in jokingly around saying that uh, my first failure was not making it to the NBA. Yeah. But um, my whole problem was I was pretty good at sports early on. Yeah. But then I I was just better than everybody, so I never worked harder to get better at my craft until I ran into people that had been working their ass off, and then I just fizzled out at sports because yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't have that failure until now. So, yeah, I completely agree with you that as you're going through life, there has to be a failure yeah, I that mean, says, oh, shit, you look I got to. Look at the NBA. Michael Jordan was cut from his from his JV team. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's true with, with most successful athletes. There was a certain point early on, early enough, that they were able to work on it. Well, Matt, I appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much for having a, me. It was a great departure from what we do, and I hope people enjoy <laughs> it because I certainly did. Me too. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Um. You know, I heard you talking a little bit about you do some uh, carpentry. Yeah, just uh, a hobby thing. Yeah, I got a buddy. He uh, does, like, those big wooden plaques. Yeah. Um, engraves them and everything like that. Does awesome work. I've actually got mine getting shipped out right now. Uh, if you go on Facebook, it is AKV Custom Works, I believe. So you're plugging your friend's stuff. Oh, of That's course. That's great. Of course. That's awesome. AKV Custom Work? I believe so, yeah. All right. Well, if not, whoever that person is is going to get some hints. <laughs> so, Matt, thank you for coming on. And uh, as always, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Like, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff. And we will see you again next Wednesday.